Whether you're a coach yourself or plan to work with coaches throughout the growth of your personal or professional life, there's one conversation that has to be held. One that I believe isn't openly discussed enough and holds great responsibility in shaping the online industry that we've built together as online entrepreneurs. So if you're interested in this topic, you're in for a huge treat today because we're going deep with this highly needed conversation around ethical leadership in the online coaching industry with an amazing guest I cannot wait to reveal. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Freedom Found Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows you to spend more time with your toes in the sand than your fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm a copywriter and consultant, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. Kate Scudder is a high school teacher turned Forbes featured seven-figure business coach for women entrepreneurs, a TEDx speaker, host of the Born to Rise podcast, and internationally recognized online business expert, as well as a loving mama and wife, Kate's mission is to empower 10 million driven, bold-hearted women to uncover their zone of genius and use it to create a profitable, purpose-driven business that changes the world. Welcome to the Freedom Found podcast. We are so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here, Crystal. As am I. And I always love talking to a fellow teacher as well, because I quit my teaching business to start my coaching business and copywriting business. And I just find that we all sort of gravitate into this bubble when we leave the teaching world. And I've met so many teachers who have jumped into the online coaching or business space. So I'm so excited to dive into this topic today. Oh, that's so cool that you have that background as well. Yeah, for me, it wasn't a direct hop. There were many years in between, but that's so cool to know that you have that background as well. Well, why don't you break that down for us? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do now, but also that entrepreneurial journey and how you got there? Absolutely. So I, as you mentioned, I am a business coach for female entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of creatives, coaches, consultants, mentors, done-for-you service providers, and my jam is really helping women dial into their essence of their power and strip away any of the beliefs, behaviors, stories, narratives, actions that are holding them back and give them full permission to go bigger and the tools and skills they need to do so. So I have built a multi-million dollar company over the last, gosh, what are we coming up on? We're coming up on five years, which is just wild, like four and a half right now really from nothing, like from a laptop and cafes in Bali. I now live in Maine on the East Coast and married, have one child, Ella, who's 15 months and a second on the way. I'm currently six months pregnant with my second. So, you know, just doing the mama juggle, doing all the things, but my passion is really helping women to fulfill their highest potential and their highest purpose. I'm so passionate about supporting women to realize their full financial potential and just blow the damn lid off of their wealth, off of their income, create real legacy wealth for their families 
and also to free their gifts to serve the world. So that is my big why. And I, as I mentioned, so I moved to Bali. Well, I went to Bali for the first time in February of 2012. Let me think about this. 2015 for yoga teacher training. I'd quit my job the summer before. So like August 2014, I guess it was. I was working as a Spanish teacher and I was just burnt out. I had come from a really rigorous academic background here in the Northeast, got my master's by, you know, got my bachelor's at 22, got my master's by 23. And just that like foot on the gas, fast paced, burning the candle at both ends was not working for me. And I knew I wanted to, I loved being in the front of a room and supporting people to learn and discover, but I knew like teaching high school is not it for me. And so there was a gap. And I think the first thing that I want to say, Crystal, is I think it's so important to leave space for not knowing what's next, but know there's something more. That was really like my first bold, brave leap into the unknown was quitting my job without having, you know, a six or seven or multi seven figure business to lean into. Like I had nothing except for knowing this isn't it. And there is something more. And so I put together a GoFundMe and raised some money and was like waitressing, doing tutoring lessons. Like I was on the hustle, saving up some money to be able to go to Bali for a women's leadership immersion training, which was in February of 2015, which really changed my life. And it was a couple of days after the training. I had like a day or two before I was set to leave to go to Thailand. And I met my now husband, Toby, on the beach in Bali. And as they say, the rest is really history. Like it was kind of like love at first sight. I was a little bit like, hmm, but it was definitely love within a week. And there's a whole long story about that. But anyway, it was quite magical. And we ended up getting engaged. So I flew back to the States after going to Australia with him after three weeks of being in Bali on this like whirlwind romance. And then he came to meet me later that summer in June in Spain, where I was working, teaching a like student trip abroad and proposed. So we were, we'd known each other for like three and a half months, but as they say, when you know, you know, and now we're, you know, we've been together for over seven years, have our second child on the way. So trust yourselves, ladies, when you know, you freaking know, and you know what, screw the rules that say, you know, you have to like date casually for like a year, see each other twice a week. Like we just broke all the rules, but it really worked. So Anyway, I moved to Bali with him at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. And there was like a year and a half crystal between that time of, again, like turning my life upside down, not only going to Bali, but actually moving to Bali and having no idea what was next. I knew that I didn't want to lead a traditional life. And what going to Bali really opened my eyes to was that there were so many digital nomads and entrepreneurs who And coaching like was a thing, but it was not a thing like it is now. It was really just starting to take off. But I did see some people out there, thought leaders, speakers who had built a brand just like around themselves. And I was like, I can do that. That's cool. But I had all of the imposter syndrome, all of the doubt, all of the, oh, but like, why would I do this? If she's already like, there's one person already doing this really well. There's no room for me. And just, you know, all that nonsense. But Eventually, it was really, and I talk about this all of the time, the importance of getting off the sideline and getting into the game if you want to succeed. And I am so passionate about talking about this because I spent like a year plus on the sideline and that was really painful. I got another job. I nearly left my relationship because I ran out of money. 
And I was super just like in scarcity and fearful. And it really came down to the question of like, do you want this, Kate? Do you want this relationship? Do you want this life in Bali? And do you want to have a go at building something extraordinary and not just defaulting back? And when the rubber really met the road, the answer was yes. And so rather than leaving, I had a plane ticket book to go back to the States and like go get a nonprofit job or whatever. I decided to stay and I needed money. And my coaching business, again, was not like generating boatloads of cash every month. It wasn't generating anything. It didn't even exist yet. And so I got a job. I was writing user manuals for a technology software company. Like I made it work. And I would just want to shout out anybody who's doing the side hustle thing or, you know, doesn't have some wealthy relative who's funding them. Not that that's bad. If you do, if you do like all the power to you, amazing, but I did not. And so I just found a way to make it work. And I was able to save up a nest egg to invest really heavily in coaching in my first year. And we launched the business in May of 2017, crossed six figures in our first year, scaled to seven figures within three years, and we're, you know, at multi-millions now. And so it's just been such a wild, wild ride. And I wouldn't change any of it. What an incredible story. Like, I just love so many pieces of it, especially seeing that you were there, you had done the thing or what we think is like the huge leap. And you got into the position where you had to reaffirm your choice, right? Like you had to say to yourself a second time, am I really in this? Well, and not only that, I mean, like literally that is the, I could just do an entire day of this whole story. But I think that, you know, when we hear, take the leap, trust yourself, blah, blah, blah. We think it's a one and done. And I've given you two like focal point examples of like taking the leap to quit my job, let go of my health insurance, like you know, I was just over 26. So I was too old to be on my parents. And I was like, shoot, I have no idea what I'm doing without this teaching job. That was one, the leap to stay in Bali and not have any idea, but figure it out. But there have been, I am not exaggerating hundreds of leaps from every investment that I've made where we don't have a guarantee. We don't have a promissory note from the universe if it's going to work out. And if I can share like one nugget that I I'm not exaggerating is the, I think it's the heartbeat of what has made me so successful is becoming my own guarantee, truly believing that me being so invested in, it's not just about investing money. It's also investing your energy and your belief and your decidedness and your knowing that what you are doing is going to work. And it may not work in the timeline. Like I remember sitting with one of my first coaches and mapping out my first half a million dollar year in my business. And I didn't hit half a million in my first year. I hit like, I don't know, 110 or 120 or something like that. But it didn't matter because it was decided. It was done and dusted. And same thing when I like set a goal to have my first million dollar year, it didn't happen in year two, but that it doesn't matter. And so what I really want to encourage everybody who's listening to remember is that if you take a leap and you set a vision your job is to not only like do that action, but constantly reaffirm the energy with which you are doing that action to constantly be in the embodiment of this is working for me. It is not if it's when, and there's nothing that's going to stop me because that singular energetic frequency is going to determine your success more than anything else. So, so good. And I think that that's so true because a lot of entrepreneurs 
go into it thinking like, I'm waiting until somebody validates me. I'm waiting until my clients say X, Y, and Z about me or until my family believes in this side hustle, this whatever that I'm creating. And when you wait for that external validation, you're waiting on yourself, literally. Like you have to eventually catch up to it, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I say this all the time, like it's our job to become our own pattern disruptor. It's our job to become our own fire starter, our own line in the sand and really choose that now is your time. So side tangent here on this beautiful conversation, what would you say to a listener right now? Who's like, I know I need to do that. And I am on board with everything you're saying, but like, there's a piece inside of me that just, just isn't there. Like, what can I do? What can I say to her? to get to that place where I'm all in. Absolutely. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it really comes down to, I mean, there's two things I would say. Number one, like what's going on in your nervous system? Why does it feel like what's going on? What are you afraid of? And I think that, you know, bypassing our fears and like bulldozing past them and just being like, push, you can do it. Go all in. Like, that's not really the energy that I'm preaching about here. It's really about getting so honest with ourselves and that requires like really listening. So I would say, what's really coming up for you? And most times it's the fear of, you know, I don't have enough money saved or I don't this or I don't that or I don't know or blah, blah, blah. And when you keep going down the rabbit hole and keep boiling down to like the core nugget, what's holding you back a lot of times there's like really deep old stuff there. The fear of being judged, the fear of losing love from a family member, the fear of being made fun of, the fear of not creating success, the fear of being successful and not being able to sustain it. Like there's all sorts of really deep underlying fears. And I think at the end of the day, what I would say to her is go all the way down the rabbit hole, like examine what is it that's actually holding you back And ask yourself, when you get really honest about what the actual fear is, what is more scary? Going for it and potentially failing, potentially blowing up so fast that you do need, like you do have new problems to solve at higher levels of success. Like, do you trust yourself to figure it out every step of the way? Because I think it's easy for us, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast, like, wow, Kate has a really inspiring story. But guys, like, I am sitting in a position now where I'm talking about this in the past, but I want you to hear me that like every step along the way of actually living in the reality of this story as the protagonist of this story, I was just bushwhacking my way through like with a machete in the jungle. Like I was just taking one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, asking myself, what am I more afraid of? staying stuck where I am and feeling like I have so much potential, potential for wealth, potential for impact, potential for fulfillment, potential for a life that lights me up. Like, am I more afraid of letting that rot inside of me or am I more afraid of taking the risk to go for it? And worst case scenario, falling, losing relationships, like needing to figure out new problems. And when you really boil it down, It became so apparent, like I am way more afraid of dying with all that potential inside of me than I am taking the risk and figuring it out. So I would say like, check your nervous system, put your hand on your heart, like get really honest about what's holding you back and ask yourself what fear is bigger. And when you do that, you really have your answer. And for me, that has given me so much courage to really boldly go after my dreams. So beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. 
And I want to detour back to our main conversation now around ethical leadership in the coaching industry. And I want to go back to your story because I find it really fascinating that you were in Bali back in 2015, 2016, because I know that was like before where we have ended up today. And I'm really curious to know about your observations of the evolution of the coaching industry from then until now. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a little bit of the Wild West now. Um, (laughs) Not that it wasn't, but it was definitely more like, you know, Little House on the Prairie back then. And now we're definitely like guns ablaze in Wild West. I love the coaching industry. I think that there is so much potential. I I don't know of any other industry that is devoted to the optimal existence of our lives as humans in all the different arenas, whether it's business, life, relationship, health, coach, like there's just so much potential for growth and development. And like every light thing, there is a shadow. And I feel that with the fast explosion of the coaching industry, there is a lot of shadow that we've seen emerge and unfold. And I'm sure that existed back then. But again, I think there was almost like more of a naivete in the industry back then. Certainly that was my experience. Like I wasn't aware of a lot of the like shady stuff that happens now, but it was a great time to start. And it's still a great time to start. And I don't want anybody listening to this. Who's like at the early stages to be like, Oh boy, like what am I getting myself into? It is an incredible industry. There is so much room. And I think the women who create the most success for themselves are the ones who aren't waiting for an invitation to a table, but who build their own and really believe that there is a space for them. But I think that, yeah, as the industry has evolved, as we have evolved, there is there is a lot more, like just to be specific, one of the things that I think happens in this industry, obviously not with everybody, but there are coaches and entrepreneurs who've risen really quickly in success and in, in, you know, the growth of the revenue of their businesses and are really good at selling, but not as good as at delivering who are really good at marketing and not very good at holding people. And I've had so many clients, many clients who come to work with me have had an experience like this where they've been in a particular, and I, my primary thing is high ticket, high touch coaching. I love, I have a couple different masterminds. I do private coaching. So just again, anybody who's telling you, you need a particular business model and like evergreen course funnels in order to make multi-millions. It's not true ladies. Like I am doing that without those things. I do have some like smaller ticket programs and then a year long experience with me that includes all of those programs. But again, that's really high touch And that's just what I love and what really works for me. Again, it's not to say that's the only way to run like an ethical coaching business. Of course it isn't, but it feels really in integrity and aligned to my values of really valuing that hands-on transformation, really knowing my clients and my customers and having my sleeves up and being really in there with people. And I think that there are many schools of, and, you know, business coaches teaching how to scale and, One of the things that I think is so important for us to be responsible in our businesses is to make sure that we have the capacity to actually deliver and hold people and not just market and have really sexy, you know, photos and sales pages, but not actually follow through. So that's, I think, one place that is a really important, important place to be paying attention to as a business owner. Yeah. And you bring up some really great points in terms of some of the actual tangible things that you do to be an ethical leader. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Like what do we see or do you see in this space as 
a great example of ethical leadership. Obviously, we're delivering on our offers. You're marketing something, you're going to show up for it. What are like the other facets of that or adjacent pieces of it that we need to keep in mind, whether let's say we're a coach or a service provider? A hundred percent. I think, gosh, there's so many things I want to say. And I also just really want to say to whoever's listening to this, and I'm going to talk about this now, but this is not about like, I am this like high moral expert on the coaching industry and like could never do any wrong and learn about ethics from Kate Scott. Like we all are fucking human. Can I swear on your show? We all are fucking human. We all have shadow and light within us. Like everyone, Mm -hmm. every single one of us is capable of doing things that inadvertently, I mean, some people do things consciously in a really shitty way. And that just is like, no thanks. But a lot of us are capable of doing stuff that harms people without even really knowing about it. And so I just want to like preface everything that I'm saying to not put like, yes, listen to this podcast and take away these important nuggets, but do not put me or anybody else in this industry who, whether they are making a lot of money, whether they're a guest expert on a show and you see them as having all the answers, like that is part of what is wrong with this industry. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about. Like one, I can't remember the original question. I think you asked what are examples of like ethical leadership. I want to give you an inverse example to highlight the opposite. So one thing that I see that has emerged that I didn't notice as much in the beginning of my business, but has definitely become a thing over the last couple of years is marketing that really, um, I'm going to use this word, praise upon people's vulnerability and people's inherent sense of lack. One of the things that I get like mama bear tenacious about in my business and in our marketing is that we do not market to people's sense of like, I don't want somebody hiring me because they feel unworthy. I don't want somebody hiring me because they feel like they can't succeed without me. That is not empowerment. That is not holding women to their highest, that is exploiting their inherent sense of vulnerability for profit. And that's a big red no for me. And I think that, again, I think there are a lot of women in this space who've been taught and have been kind of inherited in this like lineage passing down from coaches that that's what we have to do. We have to like really dig into people's pain points and really highlight what they don't have and then flash the keys of what they want. And highlight our thing as the only way to get there. And I think there's a lot of stuff that's problematic about that. I think that when we as coaches and not just coaches, but service providers in our marketing, in our, in the way that our sales process look, if looks, if we are exploiting somebody's sense of not enoughness to generate our profit, we really have to ask ourselves, where have I gone off the rails and how can I come back to a more human heart-centered approach that is steeped in the values and the transformations that I actually have? Anytime that we as marketers, as coaches, as service providers are relying on inadvertently or intentionally stripping away our clients and customers' sense of power in order to buy from us and join our programs, we have lost the plot about what coaching is actually about. Coaching is about returning the power to your client. Coaching is about reminding them that they don't need you. They have everything that they need inside of themselves. What I, The work that I do with my clients at my highest level containers, in my masterminds, private clients, even in my courses and programs, 
is yes, I provide teaching. Yes, I provide strategy and tactics and tools, but the coaching is about unearthing and helping them integrate, digest, land. Like, what is it in you that knows? Who is the leader inside of you that's wanting to emerge forward? What is all the gunk, all the noise, all the junk that's blocking you from embodying your fullest expression? And that is work that anybody could do alone. It's not that they inherently don't possess the skill to do that. It's that there's something in the way and they're choosing freely as sovereign beings to rise with support, to rise in sisterhood, in mentorship, in community. Like that is a very different frequency, a free sovereign choice to walk with a coach that sees your power, even if you don't see it yet, that can hold up a mirror and say, hey, this is already inside of you. Let's work together to uncover that so that you can just blast off to the freaking moon because that is what your destiny is. That is very different from you're not going to the moon unless you go on my rocket ship. You're not going to the moon unless you have my methods. That is a really different message and it's a subtle distinction. And so I would say, be discerning about the frequency. And you guys, like we know, like I see some kinds of marketing and I'm just like, ugh, like internally my intern, and I can't, I might not even have language for why, but I'm just like, that doesn't feel good. That makes me feel lesser than, and that makes me feel like you're, and so I just want to say like, trust yourself. If you see something or feel something that feels off, trust yourself. Don't gaslight yourself. Don't tell yourself you're not being like loving enough or just trust yourself. There's so many coaches out there that it's really important, especially when we're doing big transformational work that we deeply trust and resonate with who we are choosing to rise beside. So I think that one very tangible way that we can lead ethically as coaches, marketers, service providers is making sure that we are returning the power to our customers and our clients always, not holding it above them as a marketing tool. Yeah, so, so true. And I think that the the real irony of it is that we have, we, I say as an industry, have employed and developed further a lot of the things that we complained about, let's say back in 2015, 16, 17, 18, about the bro marketing space, right? And everybody was dissing the bro marketers and then adapting the same strategies in their marketing for their own business. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I call it like the blush marketing. It's just basically putting a tutu on the bro marketing. Um, And now it's not even like the blush. It's like the black and the gold, like we're, you know, those new trends that emerge all the time, like 2018, 2019, it was all about the blush, the rose gold, the whatever. Now it's all about the like blacks and golds and, you know, and I have black and gold in my branding. It's not to say like you're, you know, an unethical person. If you use those brand colors, that's not what I mean. I'm just saying like, you're so right. And that there are these trends that emerge. And I think it's really important to be mindful. And another thing, um, and this has been a huge topic of conversation. It's a topic of conversation in one of my masterminds that I lead right now. Um, it's It was a major theme in a mastermind that I was a part of as a client this year is pyramid-shaped leadership versus circular leadership. And I think a lot of us got out of 
corporate or whatever our industry used to look like before we became entrepreneurs, um, to escape this sense of I have to climb an, a ladder that society told me to in order to be successful. And the longer that I'm in this and like race to the top, um, the more successful I will be. And there's one guru expert person who knows the way, you know, whether you come from academia or you come from corporate, um, this idea that we, you know, there's one person who knows the way. And I think that we are really wanting to see in this industry, a renaissance. And this is something that I stand for so deeply, a renaissance of more circular leadership, women sitting around in circle, like not, I am higher than you. I am because I make more money or my, I have more letters behind my name, or I've been featured in Forbes or done a TEDx. Therefore you must listen to everything I say as gospel. Like I think that there is a lot of that in this industry. And I also think there's so much space for the unraveling of that narrative to provide our clients and frankly ourselves with so much more space to lead in a more humane, human way, um, which gives rise to actual transformation, not synthetic transformation that's replicated on a patriarchal pyramid. And probably driven by huge egos that we're all carrying around. Right. Totally. And I think it's important, you know, like a lot of us think like, oh, that, you know, we think of this like loud talking man who enters a room and isn't paying attention to anybody else. And like, that's what someone with a huge ego can look like, but it can also look very different again, like that blush version of that. Um, So just being really mindful, I think it's so important for us all to be really mindful of how am I showing up in the spaces? Like if you are a coach and you coach people, how are you showing up to your coaching calls? And I think that some of us, again, I don't think that people are inherently bad or wrong if this is how they've been leading, because this is how we, many of us have been taught, which is you show up to your calls as the, you know, impenetrable guru with all of the answers. And a lot of people feel like if they show up to lead in a different way, as an equal that um, people won't get their money's worth or people are going to be disappointed and, you know, a lot of that garbage. And so people show up with all of these layers in front of them to try to maintain this like top of the pecking order identity. And my invitation, I mean, I have just seen this both from being in the client side and also being in the facilitator side. Like when we exist in more circular leadership energy, the, the power of that kind of container is exponentially more vast than in a pyramid shape. I couldn't agree more. And I hope that we start to see more of a shift and even just more of an acknowledgement that this is happening. So that's the precursor to the shift. And it just takes education of, of those that are currently embodying it, I think, because it, depending on what level of coaching you're talking about, but if we've got, let's say, newer or growing entrepreneurs who are looking for business coach, et cetera, to help them get to the next step, they are likely inherently, I say this from my own experience and perspective, looking at their new potential coach as the go-to, as that person with all of the answers and therefore reinforces the exact position that we're in as an industry because we're idolizing it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about things that we are getting wrong and ways that we can shift that. 
Let's dig a little bit deeper into what are we getting right from not just this overview perspective of how we can sit in that circular room, which I love so much, but what can we do like to head into that meeting, let's say with our mastermind gals and be on the same level, be a peer with them instead of going in with our ego and feeling like we need to carry that baggage from corporate structure, et cetera. Totally. I think it's, I think one of the major ways, I mean, one is just an internal energetic shift and not feeling like you are like naked and vulnerable in front of a room. If you're showing up as, as you, and, and I'm not saying like the opposite isn't, you know, come to your programs, like with your tail between your legs, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like you can stand fully in your power as a woman who acknowledges that every single other woman beside you possesses tremendous power. And that energetic shift alone is like, yes, when we do that, we make it so safe for women to show up in their vulnerability and in their mess and in their struggle. And also in their fullness and their power and their radiance and their glow and their, you know, bigness. Um, And I think that a major piece is asking higher and higher quality questions um, and really looking at how can I facilitate that power coming through from other people. So that could be something as simple as looking at, hey, do you prompt your people? Are you just the only one talking? Are you the one that feels like you have to... um, you know, say all the things and fill all 60 minutes of a Zoom call or something like that? Or are you asking higher quality questions? One of the things that we do in one of my masterminds is we have like, for example, our calls in the month, we rotate the theme of them. So we have a call that's really devoted to strategy. We have a call that's devoted to energy. We have a call that's purely devoted to sisterhood and unpacking a theme together. Um, We have a call that's hot seat Q&A. And so having a really dynamic blend of ways of interacting inside of a container and inside of a community, I think allows for people to share and bring through that, that power in different ways. And so I think being really mindful of how we construct our containers supports and facilitates um, women feeling really, really safe, really close with one another and really reaping the benefits of transformation, which coaching is all about. So beautiful. So looking forward, where do you see the online coaching industry going in the next five years or even 10 years, which might be wild to imagine? Oh my God, 10 years. I'm like, what kind of currency will we all be using in 10 years? It's so interesting (laughs) to think about. Um, I believe like, you know, in this conversation, I think anytime we're talking about ethics, there's always an opportunity to examine um, what what we can do better or where we can grow. But I just want to reiterate, like there is so much beauty inside of this industry. There's so much ripeness for, like I said, I don't know of any other industry that is so devoted to human potential and fulfilling that potential in a beautiful way. So I think it's just going to continue to get more popular. I think we're going to see more and more coaches. I think we're going to see more and more access. It's going to be interesting to see how marketing platforms like social media and then things we're not even aware of yet uh, are going to continue to evolve and to grow. And I do think that anytime, you know, we see this in nature, anytime there is a sickness or anytime there is something that is not serving the collective, nature has a really beautiful way of purging it and recycling it and transforming it. And I think the same thing is true in this industry. So 
just like we're talking about some of the things that, you know, culture gives rise to counterculture. Trends give rise to new trends that shift away from that thing. And so I believe that the future of the coaching industry is incredibly bright and that there's so much space for all of us to come in and to play and to carve our corner of the internet and really build a movement all of our own. I couldn't agree more. And especially coming from the mindset of you have, you have a choice in who you're investing into, right? So totally. if there's all this shadow that possibly exists, there's so much more sunlight. And I think it's important just to employ your own set of filters and say, who do I align with either like physically muting them on Instagram or, you know, making sure to put your blinders up and just keep a few key people that you really value their opinion in your space and learn and expose yourself with them, whatever that is, like making sure that you feel good. This goes back to what you said earlier about that marketing that just doesn't quite sit right. Making sure you feel good about whatever decision you're going into. And if you love that person, if you trust that person and you've been exposed to them for a good amount of time, then you're in a much better position to invest with somebody and already know what that relationship is going to be like because you've had a sense of it from the outside. A hundred percent. And like, just to build on that, not even if you've known, like, I can't even tell, I was going to say, not even if you've known of them and been consuming their content forever. Like I, some of the mentors that I work with, um, I hired one because I literally had a dream about her. I super vibed with her values. Oh, I'd like known of her, but I had, it was like an instant decision. I have clients who've hired me that are like, yep, I've been listening to your podcast for like three episodes. I just started following you. I completely vibe with your energy, with your values. Like I'm in at the highest level. And so I just, and you know, I shared with you my story also about getting married and getting engaged and we didn't get married in three months. We got engaged within like three and a half months, but, um, some, when you know, you know, so yeah absolutely there needs to be a values alignment, absolutely a resonance and trust your instinct, trust your body, trust your nervous system. If you feel that sense of this is my woman, you can trust that and you can listen to that. And similarly, if somebody is like popular and has all these like whatever, seemingly great testimonials and blah, 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 and yet it doesn't feel resonant, you can also trust that. So it goes both ways. Absolutely. Now, we all have this dream of living out our own version of freedom, whatever that means to us. And my favorite question to ask on this podcast is what advice would you give to entrepreneurs listening right now that are on a mission to incorporate more freedom into their life? Decide what and define what that freedom means to you. So freedom looks different for some people. It's going to look like, you know, living barefoot in a tropical place for some people. It's going to look like owning multiple properties, um, you know, and being investors for some people. It's going to look like being able to send their kids to whatever schools they want to go to. So I think so importantly, before we start chasing freedom is to make sure that we are chasing the version of freedom that is the most true for us, for you. Um, so what really lights you up? So that is the first thing that I would say. And the second is do not be afraid to take risks. Do not be afraid to go after it. Like you do not get to the reward without taking the risk. And you can look at any, I used to, I was an English major and I used to be an English teacher. So like you, you, we don't get to, you know, the pot of gold. We don't get to look at any allegory, Star Wars, the Hobbit, like all of these beautiful iconic works of literature. They show us like, we don't, 
we don't get to the gold without going through and facing some dragons, without facing the fear of I could lose it all. Like we have to be willing to go for that. And if there's anything I can share with you about my journey, it's that transforming my relationship with risk and learning to trust myself, even when there's no guarantee, that has been the single big, biggest catalyst to support me in creating this life of freedom that I now have. So, so good. Now you've given us so many great things to think about. And this conversation, I feel like has just helped to unpack a lot of the things that we might've seen in the industry, but not had a name for. So as we like continue to take this and move forward, how can we get in touch, follow, work with you, et cetera? hundred percent. Well, come say hi on Instagram, guys. I love being on Instagram. It's me and my DMs. Um, so you can come say hi. I'm at Kate Scudder, C-A-I-T-S-C-U-D-D-E-R. Um, you can also find me on my website, kate.co, C-O. Uh, and I also have a podcast, Born to Rise, where I share weekly episodes. We do lots of solo trainings, just like getting down and dirty into the nitty gritties and specifics. I love the podcast. I also bring on some incredible guests. So Born to Rise podcast, wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. Um, those are the best places to come connect and be in touch. And I have a couple of really beautiful offerings. I don't know when this is coming out, but you can always DM me to learn more, but Again, I have a year-long container that is super powerful called Leap Year, which allows you to plug in with me for all the live programs that I run throughout the year, plus coaching, coaching with my support coach, with my team. It's a really juicy offer. So if you're wanting to plug in, um, that's a really great place to start. And then I have a couple other spaces for entrepreneurs who are looking for something more intimate, more high touch. So again, you can just send me a DM if you're curious about any of that. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of your brilliance with us. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. It's a pleasure to be here. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please head over to leave a review and subscribe to the Freedom Found podcast. It means so much to our growth and being able to reach and support more business owners like you. And if you enjoyed today's insights and would love an opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one with yours truly, screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram stories with your biggest takeaway right now. Every four weeks, we're choosing a listener just like you to hop on a free coaching call together. The next one could be you. Have a beautiful week and I'll catch you next time.